Rataloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings your Garage Logic podcast number 712, October 12, 2021. It was 87 degrees was the record high. That was in 1975. And on this day in 1917, it was 23. And I have an additional note. Uh, on this day in 2009, which I gratefully don't remember, we had two and a half inches of snow. Oh. Oh, yes. Now, oh, yes. Oh, from yes. the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushere. I have an email from Brian Ottestad in Fairbanks, Alaska, who writes, A couple of months ago, I had my truck stolen here in Alaska. Inside the truck was my Best of Garage Logic CD. No. Is there a way I can order another copy? I have been looking for that on the website, and I have not been able to find it. If you folks can direct me in the right location to get another one, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, He also would love to hear Rookie uh, do a CD of just Rookie and Jesse Ventura. Hmm. Well, that's fine, uh, uh, Brian. Why don't you hand me that email? But we've been telling Rookie, you know, come up into the modern era and do somebody. I like a good Jesse story every once in a while, though. Well, I don't know. Are those CDs available? I think I can dig one up for uh, for Brian. And one of my favorite authors, uh, Amor Towles, who we've had on the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, The uh, Gentleman in Moscow, Rules of Civility. And his new book is called The Lincoln Highway, which I've started reading. He's in town tomorrow at the Fitzgerald Theater. And I texted him Sunday saying, remember me, and as long as you're in town, boy, it'd be fun to have you on the show. And mm-hmm. uh, Because he probably later realized he mistakenly gave me a cell phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and he has not responded. Oh. Huh. Uh, I feel bad about that. For all I know, he's changed his phone number five times. But the, the message seems to have gone through. And uh, I'm holding out hope. What's his name? Amor Towels. A-M-O-R. We had him on the air. Was it Halloween last year or 2019? That I can't remember. It was on Halloween Day. It was. Okay. It was either last year or 2019. I guess I can look it up. And I I was late to the party, but I wanted to join those, uh, commending him for the excellence of a gentleman in Moscow. And we had a fun, great chat. Wonderful guy. And I thought, you know, you're you're in town tomorrow. You don't speak till 7 p.m., Come over here and kill half hour with us, sure. and uh, I have not heard from him. So have you read uh, The Lincoln Highway? Uh, that's a topic I'm uh, uh, semi-obsessed with. But I just started a, it. It's a novel. Oh, yeah. Right. And it did not get a rave review in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, gave it an extensive review, and it was not it was not praiseworthy like his other books. It's a little disjointed, and uh, I don't know that The Lincoln Highway itself has much to do with it. Uh, oh. But I'm I'm going to uh, I'm plowing through it. Uh, I started it in the hopes that uh, I would have heard from him and I could have at least made a good dent in the book. I was willing to break my rule of having an author on without having read well, the complete book. Read the book, and he would have been the first for that. But uh, again, I have not I have not heard in, from him. In 1954, 18 year old Emmett Watson is driven home to Nebraska by the warden of the juvenile work farm. Yep where he has just served 15 months for involuntary manslaughter. Yeah, and he's got to take care of his little brother, Billy. 
Yeah. And off they go. And it takes place over 10 days. Hmm. The mass shooting in St. Paul is, uh, happened as the St. Paul Council is debating police funding. I don't think the council or the mayor have been back downtown since the start of the pandemic. Yeah, they've been working from home, correct? Yep. St. Paul is authorized to have 620 police officers, but hasn't been at that level since March of 2020. Last month, the agency had just 560 sworn staff. Police Chief Todd Axtell said the lack of staffing has pushed officers to the brink. Mayor Carter has proposed spending $4.3 million more in 2022, which he says is enough to return the city to 620 sworn staff. Axtell has topped Carter's plan with an additional $3.1 million money, he says, is necessary to ensure his agency remains at, at its authorized strength. When we continue to lose officers and only hire once a year to maybe get to our 620 number for one or two days a year and then continue to lose officers, knowing it takes nine months for an officer to be hired all the way through the academy and field training, that's the cycle we continue to be in, Axtell said yesterday. A spokesman for Carter said Axtell never had his proposal vetted by city finance staff before making it to the city council during a presentation on September 1. Council members are due to finalize the budget by December. If they listen to Jane Prince, an adult voice on the council, they will grant Axtell his wish. There aren't enough officers. And you heard Fletcher explain yesterday what that means. Mm -hmm. I did not personally know that police would routinely have a car, if available, Outside a popular nighttime venue. I did not know that. That's one thing I wanted to add to, but didn't want to interrupt the sheriff. That happens routinely in Minneapolis, too. Yeah. It always has. And it's because he was exactly right. Even if a squad car is sitting there with no one inside of it, 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 it does deter some violence. Axtell said Monday that if he had 200 more officers on the street this weekend, that shooting at the truck stop bar most likely would still have occurred. Instead, he said the city needs more officers so police can restore cuts to community engagement, traffic enforcement, and other specialized units. As of early September, 43 officers had left the St. Paul Police, the highest figure dating back to at least 2015, the most recent year in data made public by the department. There's an increasing number of 9-11 calls. There's increasing gun violence. There's an explosion of illegal weapons on the street. Uh, Council member Jane Prince, echoing the chief's concern, said this weekend that the additional funding is necessary. It's high time we listen to the chief, she said. You go, girl. You're here. You go, girl. I don't hold out great hope. But But how can anyone in a decision-making role not realize what happened Saturday night as a direct result? You know what I mean? Like, how can you see that and not realize that Maybe we should have another line of thinking here. Well, it's also a direct result of juvenile uh, offenders yes. not suffering any consequences. And as Sheriff Fletcher pointed out, they grow to become shooters. Yeah, they're not born. Yeah, exactly. They grow up to become shooters. And it turns out what, we, what we're learning is that a couple of these gangsters started firing at each other over accusations about a, a woman who was dating one of them. And the other guy accused him of some sort of domestic abuse. Brown, uh, the lady was dating Brown, and she was related to Phillips. Phillips flew in from Vegas 
went right to the club, mm-hmm. somehow acquiring a firearm along the way, and that's when the shooting started. That's a good point, because he obviously or presumably could not have gotten on a flight with a handgun, right? Mm-hmm. So he lands well, it here. It would have had to be checked luggage if he did. Which seems really unlikely. Yeah. So that let's just presume that he lands here, and by the time he went from the airport to downtown St. Paul, he got a gun. Yeah. I'm sure legally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Should I sign? Uh, it signed a fortunately retired 31-year veteran of policing. Joe, there's a lot of talk about defunding police on the program, but I'd like to make an observation. Most communities have not defunded their law enforcement, at least not to a significant degree, or at least not yet. Regardless of funding changes, what is happening, and possibly even more important, though, is the demonization of law enforcers. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that even if St. Paul added 100 officers to the department, if those people are afraid to do their work for fear of being the next social media sensation, facing castigation by their political and administrative overseers, or worst case, losing their livelihoods and possibly ending up in prison, to what level is it reasonable to think that they are going to extend themselves on behalf of strangers? A common refrain, technically true for a long time in policing, but more meaningful today, is that one is much less likely to get in trouble for doing nothing than for doing something. I was both an officer on the street and a supervisor of those folks for a very long time. Shamefully, I admit, I would be hard-pressed to push officers under my supervision to do much more than required by law or policy, as the reality today is the odds are great only trouble for them and me would result should something not work out as perfectly as folks living in the fantasy land believe it should. I'm afraid he's right. I'm afraid he's right. Not only do you need more police, you need them to be embraced by the salon. Mm -hmm. You need them to be embraced by the mayor. You need them to be gratefully welcomed. Yes, continue reforms. I think Axel's done a hell of a job of that. Continue reforms. But you can't expect to hire a new crew of coppers who want to come to work for your bosses who already have stated that they don't trust you. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy uh, is right. Uh, the, the, the de- we've been talking about the demonization of police. Oh, speaking of that, speaking of that. And yes, you will be allowed to play it today. No, I don't want to. <laughs> a Minneapolis council member who called for a new system of policing while standing on a stage that said defund police in giant letters now claims, now Alpha News refers to Philippe Cunningham as she. Uh, that might be a bit uncharitable of them. He transitioned to a male. Okay. Correct. So I, I if I was writing the story, I would have said he. Correct. Which yeah. is better just, than they, them. Just mm-hmm. go with it. Yeah. So I'm just going to insert he wherever they had she. Okay. Just because you know why? I'm a nice guy. Yes, you are. Oh. <laughs> uh, A Minneapolis council member who called for a new system of policing while standing on a stage that said defund police in giant letters now claims he never wanted to defund the police. Oh, really? Philippe Cunningham is the first black, gay, female-to-male transgender person to become a council member in the city. Last year, Cunningham appeared alongside eight other council members at a protest in Powderhorn Park. How well we all remember that. The centerpiece 
of that demonstration was a stage that prominently featured the words defund police in bold all capital letters. Although Cunningham voted late last year to remove $8 million of funding from the Minneapolis Police Department, he said he doesn't actually want to defund the police and was deceived into standing on the defund the police stage. Oh, he was tricked. (laughs) However, however, while on that stage in June of 2020, Cunningham apparently suggested that Minneapolis doesn't need police. It is possible for us to keep our own community safe, Cunningham said. In North (laughs) Minneapolis, as the buildings were being broken and burned by white supremacists and extremists, (laughs) (laughs) MPD was nowhere to be found. So we had to come together ourselves in order to protect our community. Cunningham also praised the people who threw the first bricks at police officers at Stonewall, calling on the crowd to honor our elders. Now Cunningham's trying to backtrack. I didn't know that was on the front of the stage. Like, you know, I got, 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 Cunningham said at a recent candidate forum. He said he didn't think to check the front of the stage as she, as he lacked staff to advise him to do so. How many gots was that in a row, by the Couple. way? Was that four? I don't even know what the hell he meant. Mm. I'm in my first term. I don't have people, staff, who advance me and do a 360-degree around stages. This is, might be the most pathetic excuse I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Cunningham does, however, maintain a belief in reorganizing the police department. Would I stand on the stage now and agree to dismantle? I wouldn't use that language. No, but I still agree that a system reorganization is a common-sense next step, Cunningham said at the forum. This apparently includes efforts to make the department smaller. According to Cunningham's own statements last August, Cunningham said that he desires a public health approach to policing as well as building a comprehensive approach to public safety where law enforcement plays a role but is right-sized. Do you want this twerp to tell you what the right size of the police department should be? No. No, I don't. No, Cunningham I don't also, anywhere. No. Cunningham also supports an upcoming referendum to replace MPD with a new Department of Public Safety. Meanwhile, crime rates are still soaring in Minneapolis. The violent crime rate in the city is 956 per 100,000 residents. The violent crime rate in Chicago was slightly lower, 948 per 100,000. So we're better in Chicago. We're, we're, we're moving into first place. Nice. Hold on. That deserves this. <laughs> the police chief's role is to be able to have a vision mm-hmm. of what it means yep. for us to have a strong yep. um, focus mm-hmm. on what should police be focusing on. <laughs> it gets better every time. It, it's, uh, it's amazing. I'm looking at a picture of him standing on a stage in which the words defund police are proudly and boldly spread across the front of the stage, and he blamed his lack of awareness on that as not having people. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, 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 it didn't occur to him that maybe he could have walked around the stage if, in fact, that was a concern of his, but it's not. This is all BS. It's all backtracking. It's, it's utter nonsense. Remind me, is his, is his seat up for election this yeah, November? Yeah, they all are. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm just going to I'm gonna go on a limb here. I'm going to guess that it's gotten back to him that, say, uh, Philippe, uh, your, your numbers aren't doing so great. You might want to back off the old defund the police uh, I movement. think he's Ward 4. I thought he was five. Staff, staff, anyone? Staff could. could uh, he's. You're. You're right, Joe. It's four. Do it we know four. who's running against him? I'm looking that up right now. Who is running for the city council seat in Ward Four in Minneapolis? Because whoever it is has to win, unless it's a person worse than this fellow. <laughs> Careful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to go John Gruden here and get canceled. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
Minneapolis Park Board Commissioner Latricia Vital is the challenger to incumbent Philippe Cunningham. Oh, my God. Any anything there that would alarm us? Uh, mm. Does say anything about Latricia, a Minneapolis Park Board Commissioner and a director at North Point Health and Wellness? Mm. Yeah. Well, this Philippe Cunningham's never done anything except this gig that I'm aware of. But isn't that isn't that sweet? He's backtracking. That's amazing. Vital's stance on policing includes partnering with Minneapolis Police Chief. Madiria Arredondo to reform the police department by increasing the role of social service and mental health providers. So she's just she also thing. supports diversifying the police force with while requiring training on community policing, conflict management, and racial bias. Quote, I want us to put policies in place that hold police officers accountable. I believe in strong reform. All right. I believe in strong inventories uh, in the car business because that's getting to be a rarity. Uh, check out Schmel's Countryside Volkswagen Fiat and Alfa Romeo in Maplewood. One of the last, if not the last, Twin Cities truly family-owned, multi-generational dealers. They don't have 400 stores. They just have great cars. Volkswagens, Alfa Romeos, and Fiats I've owned all three and will continue to. And right now, 0% for up to 36 months on all new Volkswagens with the exception of the all-electric ID4. Zero uh, percent for 72 months on Fiats. I'm driving a couple of Fiats right now. Zero percent for up to 48 months on Alfa Romeo models. Great service, great people, great location, right there at the uh, southeast corner of Highway 36 and 61 in Maplewood. They have cars. Check it out at SchmelzVW.com, SchmelzFiat.com, and SchmelzAlphaRomeo.com. Hey, once again, we want to thank Andy and his crew at Kahuna Window Cleaning and Services for their partnership here in Garage Logic. You see, they take care of all the stuff around your house that you really hate doing. Window cleaning, gutter cleaning, pressure washing, roof washing. They even put up and take down and store your holiday lights. They service the entire metro area from North Branch to Norwood, Young America. Kahuna is also a veteran-owned company and honored to be recommended by Trust Vets. Check this out. Throughout November, they have a great special on gutter cleaning just for GLers. Cleaning your gutters is extremely important. It can prevent insect infestation, roof leaks, foundation damage, basement leaks, landscape damage, and more. Kahuna ensures that all the gunk is removed, downspouts are unclogged, and water is flowing freely. Right now, for GLers only, pricing for gutter cleaning packages start at just $124. This special will run only through the month of November. Head to kahunawindowcleaning.com to schedule a washing. Make sure you ask for the Garage Logic special, kahunawindowcleaning.com. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Sun came up today. DK Mags opened at 10 a.m., and I have breaking news from the GLers at DKMags.com. It seems impossible in the world we live in today, but both DK Mags and Monticello Pond and Gun, very proud to announce firearms financing. This means you can pick up a gun on the DKMags.com website or MontyPond.com. Fill out a credit app, and based on approval, the gun ships to the store very quickly. When the gun arrives, the buyer's name uh, is on it, obviously. They call them to pick it up. It's it's that simple. 
But oh, wait a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold here. up. Financing hold up. is for the buyer only. This isn't a straw deal. Nobody can pick up a gun for some somebody else. That That's not how this works. Second, Monticello Pawn and Gun. Uh, this is also breaking news. Yeah, Gunsmith shows up every Thursday. That means some work can be done on the same day. Feel free to go into Monticello Pawn and Gun. Talk to the gunsmith directly, and they can also take items in for work any other day of the week if Thursday isn't going to work for you. Uh, DKMags.com, Old 8 in New Brighton, and Monticello Pond and Gun just south of 94 on 25. That's great news from uh, the GLers at both Monticello Pond and Gun and DKMags.com. I didn't know this, but we were talking about this off air, and Kenny said, did you see the photo of John Thompson on the front page of the Star Tribune? And I did not. Uh, I saw the photo and didn't bother to read the cut line. Now I will. The Reverend Daryl Smith, center, led a prayer Monday in St. Paul outside 7th Street Truck Park, the scene of Sunday's mass shooting that left one person dead. With him were from left peace activist K.G. Wilson, State Representative John Thompson, DFL St. Paul, the Reverend Ronnie D. Patterson Sr., and Reverend Colleen Woodley. And they were down there to... uh, pray for peace and i don't know uh, thompson uh, miraculously enough still holds a legislative seat despite his alleged lying and his alleged criminal behaviors he doesn't represent that district but maybe he's starting to make his comeback to get in the public eye so these uh, these fellows i think the name runny is pretty cool this might be the first time he's appeared in public and uh, hasn't threatened to burn a neighborhood down or right. beat the living hell out of somebody or curse at teenagers and small kids. Just unbelievable so, that he holds a legislative seat. Suppose a guy like that has to watch his tongue when he's hanging out with four men of the cloth. That's true. You're right, Kenny. I'm amazed he didn't uh, threaten to blow the place up. I, uh, I'm... The New Yorker has long since fallen out of my favor. Uh, I'm, I'm vowing to myself that this is my last year as a subscriber. I just don't like their worldview. Uh, but yes, every once in a while there's an extraordinary piece. And there is in the current issue. Okay. And it's called The Dead Ship. And it's written by Ed Caesar. And it's a mesmerizing piece. I recommend it to all GLers. I recommend it, per, not to GLers, but I recommend it to uh, uh, euphorians and people in Liberal Lakes and Diversityville who uh, manage to get yourself worked up about a leaf blower or a lawnmower, like Gavin Newsom out in California believes the climate is threatened by garden equipment. Mm-hmm. And if you really, really, really want to be concerned about something, you don't need to be concerned about a leaf blower or a lawnmower. Be concerned about a super tanker. It is anchored off the coast of Yemen that has stored in its tanks one million barrels of oil. The Exxon Valdez spilled 25% of that amount. And you'll recall the, the devastation. 25% of that amount. This is one million gallons of oil. Soon a vast, and it's a very long piece. I'm going to read enough to, uh, to hope to tempt you to go online and find it. Well, describe what it is first, Joe. It's not exactly a super tanker. It is, it's, but it's been converted it, into a floating gas station. Yeah, it's a holding, uh, offloading and holding facility. But, it began its, but Kenny, it began its career as yep, a super yep, tanker. Yep. 
Soon a vast, decrepit oil tanker in the Red Sea will likely sink, catch fire, or explode. Oh. The, the vessel, the FSO Safar, is named for a patch of desert near the city of Marib in central Yemen, where the country's first reserves of crude oil were discovered. In 1987, the Safar was redesigned as a floating storage and offloading facility, or FSO, becoming the terminus of a pipeline that began at the Marib oil fields and proceeded westward across mountains and five miles of seafloor. The ship has been moored there ever since. How many years is that? 87 to now is how many years? 44? 34. 34. 34. Yep. 34. And there for 34 yep. years. And recently it has degraded to the verge of collapse. Oh. More than a million barrels of oil are currently stored in its tanks. The Exxon Valdez spilled about a quarter of that volume when it ran aground in Alaska in 1989. The Saffir's problems are manifold and intertwined. It is 45 years old, ancient for an oil tanker. Its age would not matter so much were it being maintained properly, but it is not. In 2014, members of one of Yemen's powerful clans, the Houthis, launched a successful coup, presaging a brutal conflict that continues to this day. Before the war, the Yemeni state-run firm that owns the ship, the Safar Exploration and Production Operations Company, spent some $20 million a year taking care of the vessel. Now the company can afford to make only the most rudimentary emergency repairs. More than 50 people worked on the Saffir before the war. Seven remain. This skeleton crew, which operates with scant provisions and no air conditioning or ventilation below decks, interior temperatures in the ship frequently surpass 120 degrees, is monitored by soldiers from the Houthi militia, which now occupies the territory where the Saffir is situated. The Houthi leadership has obstructed efforts by foreign entities to inspect the ship or to siphon its oil. The risk of a disaster increases every day. A vessel without power is known as a dead ship. The Saffir died in 2017 when its steam boilers ran out of fuel. A boiler is a tanker's heart because it generates the power and the steam needed to run vital systems. Two diesel generators on deck now provide electricity for baking basic needs such as laptop charging but <laughs> crucial processes driven by the boiler system have ceased this is the most important one most notably inerting in which inert gases are pumped into the tanks where the crude is stored to neutralize flammable hydrocarbons that rise off the oil before inerting became a complex commonplace safety measure in the 1970s, tankers blew up surprisingly often and with lethal <laughs> consequences. In December of 1969, three of them exploded within 17 days, killing four men. Since the boilers on the Saffir stopped working, the ship has been a tinderbox, vulnerable to a static electric spark, a discharge weapon, or a tossed cigarette butt. Okay, I'm not going to keep going. It's page after page after page that completely... Uh, uh, provides the history of the ship, where it was built, how it got there, what its hopes for. I guess the living conditions well, there at first were really great, but when the Houthis uh, took over the country, everything has run afoul how about of the common part, sense. How about the part where it, how did it get there? Do you, is well, that I'd, I'd have to dig it. I mean, it's, oh, I, it's, I thought it's maybe in you here it offhand. Okay. I, I, what I'm suggesting is, if anybody wants to read this, they'll they'll get the complete picture. It's way too long. Uh, 
Last year, the skeleton crew had to make emergency repairs to a cracked pipe leaking seawater into the engine room. A sinking was narrowly averted. If the Saffir goes under, one of two scenarios is likely. It would break free of its moorings and be dashed against coastal rocks, or its weakened hull would shear apart. In either event, the ship's oil would spill into the water. The Saffir threatens not only the ecosystems of the Red Sea, but also the lives of millions of people. A major spill would close a busy shipping lane. Not long ago, a British company, RiskAware, worked with two nonprofits, ACAPS and Satellite Applications Catapult, to generate protections for the UK government, outlining possible outcomes of a disaster on the Saffir, allowing for seasonal variations in Red Sea currents and wind patterns. In the worst forecast, a large volume of oil would reach the Bab el Mandeb Strait, the pinch point between Djibouti and the African mainland. Do you see what the draft is on this, Joe? 75 feet or something like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was one of the biggest super tankers ever commissioned. It takes, oh, I lost my place. Uh, on the open ocean, slowing from full speed to a stop took 15 minutes and mm-hmm. required two miles of clear water. Right, right. <laughs> so there, you know, uh, if you're going to write a letter to the editor because you're really upset about somebody's leaf blower uh, ruining Mother <laughs> Earth, you know what? There's a lot more you could be worried about. This, this sounds like a horrible catastrophe waiting to happen. Just waiting to happen. And I don't sense that uh, this was written, uh, this was this appeared to me to be written a bit outside the New Yorker's uh, uh, paradigm, which is, you know, they, they're big climate change believers. I just think this is a hell of an interesting story about it's, a ship that's waiting to be uh, become a problem. It, it already is. Funny, you just learned about it today or whenever you saw this piece. The John started uh, doing some research. and yeah. uh, What did you find, John? I actually wrote down six different places where there were stories about it. Uh, time did a long piece in May of 2021. Okay, I don't read Time. By, uh, the BBC, July of 2020. And all of this basically contains the same info The New Yorker did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington Post, August 2020. NBC and ABC, July 2020, Newsweek 2020, something called OpenDemocracy.net is the first one I saw from February 2020, containing pretty much the same information. Uh, so it's it's been out there apparently, how and nobody's come, done a damn thing to Yeah, how come the world it? isn't up in arms? Well, the, apparently the Houthis, the Houthis. They, they will not allow access to anybody. Oh, right. Equivalent, they, that's their version of the Taliban. Yeah, they thought they had an agreement with the UN in uh, November of 2020, but then the Houthis They've backed even, away from that. I don't know so. if you read this um, uh, out loud, Joe, but they even planted mines around the thing. The Houthis <laughs> did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems like a good idea. I have a question. <laughs> Wouldn't the Houthis, since they obviously do they retain ownership of this for whatever reason? Wouldn't they stand to financially benefit by? Selling this thing? I was just thinking someone has to reach into well, but they're insane cave dwellers. They're no different than the toenail Taliban. painters. Yeah, they're okay. just toenail painters. So uh, how how could I don't you know why I love that? So <laughs> how could you possibly <laughs> entice them to say, look, it, let us get some ships in there and siphon the oil out of there to prevent an environmental yeah. catastrophe? Well, a the Houthis don't give a bleep about that, and two. Uh, there is no two. The Houthis don't care about that. Well, so can't you contact Captain Houthi and say, Th- This is the way they're exercising their supposed authority. Hey, hey, General Houthi. Yeah, General Houthi. <laughs> listen, instead of using this thing as a laptop charger, <laughs> uh, you could make a couple mil or whatever. I don't know what it would be worth, but you could stand a profit here. 
How long is crude, I don't know, viable? It's crude, right? Well, it's, uh, as long yeah. as it's been around for a billion years, it's probably good for a long time. Yeah, probably good time. to go, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know what I say we do? Ignore it. Well, it's been ignored. That's <laughs> yeah, the it's problem. Ignored, yeah. it's, just, it's their problem. Let's just let it sit. How long does Letter set. Well, you can imagine the just the disruptions to commerce, which are so bad now. Can you imagine closing down another shipping lane in that part of the world? Well, you're, Kenny, you're right. There's not a damn thing I can do about it. Right. Except I'm going to worry more about this than a leaf blower. They're comparing the danger, as far as the danger goes, uh, comparing it to that uh, warehouse in Beirut that exploded that was packed with ammonium yeah, nitrate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's just great. What a bomb this would be. Jesus. Um, I asked the, the question, hell? does crude oil go bad? And the answer is apparently no. Unprocessed no. crude oil is already several million years old. Another few years aren't going That's, to make it go bad. That's what Joe said. Yep. Like See, you're a genius, Joe. Yeah. But, you know, this yeah. poor Mustafa with the towel on his head, he's going to light a Winston and the whole world's going to start on fire. Kablooey. You know, boom. You know. I'm just working security. Yeah. I didn't hey, know, uh, man. I didn't know. Good smoke. Security. You can admit it. You The only reason you get the New Yorker is for the very sophisticated cartoons. The right? cartoons, yeah. yeah. Now, you know, I went south on the New Yorker for a number of reasons. One was when they ran that piece by that precious fool who was outraged that a... Uh, What's the famous chicken place we all like? The Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A? Well, he was outraged that a Chick-fil-A was going to be in Manhattan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember I remember that? that. What a fraud. Didn't they do a Kanye piece that you hated, too? No, I was Rolling Stone. Oh, that's right. That was, was Rolling Stone. Stone. Yeah. That's when I canceled when they had Kanye on the cover with a crown of thorns. Yeah, that was <laughs> I, I, I wrote the publisher. I just had Oh, enough. you wrote the publisher? I wrote the publisher. Wow. Yeah, that Craig Souchere sent me another letter. Dear yeah. <laughs> sirs. No, you know what he did, boys? You know what he did? He pulled an Earl Weaver. And don't think I won't. Don't think I won't. <laughs> Why don't you write the league office, Earl? <laughs> don't think I won't. <laughs> you, know what I, you, know what, you know what I would like to see, much like Hunter Thompson used to do? I would like to see a book... Uh, a, pub, a published book of your letters, private letters that you have sent to people <laughs> yes. throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Remember the Laszlo Files? Yeah. Uh, the guy that played Father Guido Sarducci in the early 70s wrote a bunch of crazy, crazy letters to big corporations and politicians and et cetera, et cetera, and he published it as a book, and it's a fantastic book. Well, another great book of letters were the exchanges between John D. McDonald and Dan Rowan of Rowan Dan and Martin. Rowan, yeah. Oh, I'd love to read that. Yeah, they were fascinating. Say, uh, I got a quick note. I have a quick note. Mayor, quick note about my brush with GL fame. The CP and I were on our way back home from a long weekend in Lindstrom, Minnesota, and I reminded her that a Grunhofer's run was in order and could not be missed as we lived down in southern Minnesota. Thus, we swing into the new store in Forest Lake. The CP and the Golden Retriever almost asleep, and the CP says, have fun, knock yourself out. I jumped out of the car, and who do I see sitting in his rig with a smile on his face? Spencer himself. Nice. Spencer Grunhofer. Walked over, put my hand down, introduced myself, and told him I'm a big GL fan. I asked him before I left if he knew whether a meatloaf watch or warning had been issued. He (laughs) laughed and said, I think you'll be just fine. I haven't seen Rookie or Reavers around in a while. As I left to go to the shop, Spencer shook my hand again and said, thanks much for the support. 
brush with fame and great meat in the freezer. Life is good. And he sent photos uh, pushing back down south Tony. So he visited the new Grunhoffers on Highway 97 in Forest Lake, just east of uh, Interstate 35. The original location is on Highway 61, just north of Hugo, mm-hmm. for the brats and the burgers and the steaks and the bacon and the ham and the seasoning and the salmon and uh, the Wagyu burgers, you name it, the meatloafs. Great grilling season now. Football season is upon us. And uh, Rookie was saying yesterday, ask for their original skin-on wieners and then have those at your fire. Huh? Mm-hmm. And, I agree. Uh, they have it all at Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. This is Patrick Gracie for The Canopy Group. Your kids are back in school, and when they get home, they do their homework, or they're supposed to do their homework. Why don't you do your homework? You have been with that same home and auto insurance company that has only one agent who represents only one insurance company for years. You deserve options. Let's face it, your insurance needs change as the years go by. Insurance companies' rates certainly change as the years go by. That is why the Canopy Group provides you with 16 options, not one, 16. Don't tell your kids, but you can outsource your homework to the Canopy Group. They will teach you how they find the best insurance coverage for the best price, not only today, but each and every year. Contact the Canopy Group at 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com and let them do the homework for you. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. GLers, we are excited with this partnership with our friends at Mosaica Hard Surface in St. Paul. They specialize in the sourcing, supply, and installation of hard surface-based materials, you know, such as granite, marble, and quartz. And you can have that for your kitchen, bath, fireplace, bar, outdoor kitchen, anywhere that you dream up. They will get it done. They will get it done right. And they will also get it done under budget. Now, Corey and Jay, they are the owners of Mosaica Hard Surface, and they are fantastic. They've been doing this for over 20 years, and they are the best. Now, here's here's how they do things. They only do things the right way. They only use the best materials. They custom cut everything in their state-of-the-art facility in St. Paul, and they also install everything themselves. Not everybody does that. And the reason Mosaica does that is they want every single aspect of your project to be perfect. Corey and his team really want to work with you, so here's how you can uh, get in touch with them. Stop by their showroom on Marshall Avenue in St. Paul, or just call Corey directly at 651-242-0894, or you can just visit them online at mosaicahardsurface.com. That's M-O-S-A-I-C-A hardsurface.com. And please let them know that you heard about them on the Garage Logic podcast. What are we to make of the resignation of uh, John Gruden, the coach of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders? Um. One thing that puzzles me is uh, what compelled the examination of his 11-year-old emails? John, you want to start or you want me to? It uh, it uh, dates back to the whole Washington uh, football team, Redskins right. thing. They he were was, under investigation, was... and, and John Gruden was involved with some communication with former Washington general manager Bruce Allen. They what if that's good, George Allen's kid? It is George yeah. Allen's yeah. kid, yes. They're good they friends? Were, yes. They're good friends, and they had worked together in Tampa Bay when Gruden coached in Tampa Bay. Allen, I believe, was GM or something of that sort. And 11 years ago, this was when Gruden was not in football. He was doing television Monday for Monday Night, Night Football. football. Yep. Yeah. And Corona yep. commercials and everything yep. else you can think of. He was a 
so had very high celebrity status. And then he left that to sign a $100 million contract to run the now Las Vegas Raiders. But what was it? What was being attempted to be discovered about the Washington situation? Was that when they were being charged with uh, uh, sexual harassment in the yes. workplace and things like yes. that? Yes. Yeah, the cheer and hiring out uh, the, the cheerleaders, that sort of thing. What did Gruden have to do with that? Was he saying to Alan, I think this is a bunch of BS, things like that? That you're being examined for this? Um, some of that, but he also had some, what's the word I want, John? Um, <laughs> oh, comments about players and personnel and the league's commissioner. Commissioner that uh, would involve, uh, you'd call them homophobic slurs, there I we believe. Go. Uh, also, uh, uh, some misogynistic things that perhaps they should. I mean, they were trading pictures of women with no tops, that sort of thing. You well, know, just, uh, uh, Jason Whitlock, who is a black writer, uh, he believes that uh, Gruden violated the seven sins of wokeism, and that's he broke uh, seven of the woke religion's ten commandments. His damnation to unemployment and disgrace was inevitable. Uh, I can't suggest that Jason is necessarily well. He is. He's defending Gruden. He said he's a high-profile symbol of the consequences of disobedience to the woke. I, I usually I, like what I, Jason I, writes, I can't but agree I can't. With that. Yeah. I'm with John. I can't. I can't go so there. I'm not, with Jason. I'm not so, suggesting uh, I agree. I'm just saying what this what this fellow wrote. Mm-hmm. According to Jason, then he could have sent any kind of email and used anything he wanted, including racial slurs, if he wanted. And Jason would be say that's fine. Here's I, I guess the, the the lesson to be learned. So whether it's the story of Urban Meyer. Uh, was that last week, two weeks ago, or John Gruden? What these guys are finally realizing is that the good old boys club that we enjoyed for so many years can't fly anymore in the age of instant information, the internet, social media, things like that. Th- this kind of stuff isn't going to fly anymore. Well, here's the review of the seven woke commandments, according to Jason Whitlock, that Gruden violated. Number one, thou shalt not disparage Barack Obama. The Times, New York Times revealed that Gruden criticized Obama during his 2012 re-election campaign. This is an explosive revelation. A U.S. citizen criticized a presidential yeah. candidate. But that's not why he had to resign. That had nothing to do with it. You no. could have thrown that out and that would have had nothing to do with it. Number two, thou shalt not push back against the Big Lips Matter movement. Big Lips Matter is the DeMaurice <laughs> Smith faction of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, only Jason Whitlock could have gotten away with writing this. I would not have written that. Hoo-wee, I can't believe what I just heard. Many white women, particularly Instagram models and the actress Angelina Jolie, passionately support Big Lips Matter. Stop saying that. Well, again, I I don't think... uh, uh, Thou shalt not question the hiring practices based on sexual and gender identity. Gruden apparently was displeased that there was a fast track to get uh, female referees in the NFL. Correct, yeah. He, He frowned upon that. Thou shalt not disagree with Eric Reed, a prominent uh, fellow who wouldn't stand for the anthem. Uh, he says, Thou shalt not look fondly upon uh, bare-breasted pictures of women that male friends exchange. Uh, well, I, I personally don't do those, but I guess... Uh, right. Uh, thou shalt not speak honestly about Joe Biden. Gruden called Biden a nervous, clueless uh, word. Bad word, yep. Seems a bit harsh, President... Whitlock gets a good line here. President Biden never seems nervous to me. He seems sedated. Thou shalt not defend (laughs) football. Gruden complained that Goodell's safety policies were an overreaction and made mothers fear allowing their sons to play football. The hypocrisy of the people cheering Gruden's cancellation is breathtaking. 
These same people were quiet when actor Michael Rapoport aired out NBA star Kevin Durant's homophobic, profane, misogynistic, and threatened direct messages. I'm consistent in all this stuff. Durant and Gruden have a right to privacy and the right to express opinions polite society finds abhorrent. Durant apologized. The NBA fined him 50 grand and everybody moved on. That's what should have happened to Gruden. But Gruden is white and held to a much higher standard of accountability. This is racist. The woke religion allows for and promotes racism. It also loves double standards. The NFL recently announced that rappers Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Eminem will start a halftime go. show. Here we go. He Finally. Says, Gruden's emails make their lyrics look like something written for a church bulletin. That's actually yes. pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. I, I was waiting till mm-hmm. someone. Uh, amazing. Gr- yeah. Gruden actually resigned, though. Right. So that last sentence of his, he wasn't forced out. Right. He may have been eventually forced out, uh, oh, but he John, he went you, he you went to the know. Raiders. Does that he went mean to he the Raiders out the rest of his contract? I'm assuming so, doesn't he? I don't. He think went he to the Raiders last night. I don't, think he, would, I don't think he would have resigned without you, some contractual agreement. Well, maybe they'll pay him. You don't really believe that he went to the Raiders on his own volition. That somebody within the organization, you know with what I the think, NFL, Kenny? Oh, I'm didn't, sure somebody didn't yeah, call said, him and he say maybe should resign. Yeah, I also, oh, yeah, I sure. also think that Gruden Gruden's not dumb. Well, I guess parts of him are dumb for writing this in the first place. But Gruden also realizes that <laughs> if I want any hope of retaining any type of employment, you know, in the near future, I have to save face in some regard. Don't you I, think? I, I got to tell you. I'm somewhat uncomfortable with the fact that we're coming across as defending John Gruden. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. I, 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 I don't, don't see how are. you do that. I don't think we are. I'm <laughs> reading a Jason Whitlock piece, and I do for two reasons. One, Whitlock is black, and two, he's very talented. He also writes, the NFL's lack of self-awareness is stunning. Roger Goodell is the worst well, commissioner. I, I, I wouldn't the, argue with that. In, in the worst commissioner in the history of professional sports, the NFL has no guiding principles and no moral compass. It's led by the woke cult in social media. If, remo- if you remove the crass words and interpret the message, that's what John Gruden was really complaining about in his emails. The NFL's lack of leadership and direction. It will be interesting to see if Gruden bends his knee and converts to the woke religion. Will he join the other closeted men in modern America? That closet is filled with millions of heterosexual Christian men who now live in shame of their values and beliefs because the alphabet mafia will damn them all to hell. (laughs) Well, it's Whitlock. I just thought I'd bring it up. Uh, Those Christian men, do they all speak like that? Did you read the transcripts? I did not. I did. I did not. I did. Yeah, Yeah, well... Yeah, I'm having a little problem I, with Jason, I'm but with, I normally do. And so. I'm, with, I'm with John. I, I really like Whitlock. I think he's a talented guy. I don't agree with him on, on this right. one. All right. All right. But some of the points he makes are valid. But sure. again, but again, it's certainly the core, about the league. About again, the league. Yes, but here's, at the core of this, Gruden really screwed up. Here's the answer to my question. The emails were discovered in a workplace misconduct investigation into the Washington football team, but ended up costing Gruden his job when they also showed Gruden denouncing the drafting of a gay player and the tolerance of players protesting uh, during the playing of the national anthem, among other issues. All right. I can't mention the number of times today I've seen on Twitter they were right, and it has Kaepernick and Eric Reed and everybody kneeling. Yeah. The insinuation being, you know, the league, you know, blackballed them, etc. Did you see the Keyshawn Johnson uh, reaction no, today? What no. insight did uh, he Keyshawn, provide? of course, played for John Gruden, yeah. and Keyshawn said, 
uh, John Gruden's always been a fraud to me. Remember, they never got along great when he played for him. So John Gruden's always been a fraud to me. Uh, from day one, he's been a used car salesman. Everybody bought it. Hmm. Didn't so. he win a Super Bowl at Tampa? I think so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gruden? Yes. They he both wasn't with, with Tony Dungy's team. <laughs> Guys, refresh my memory. Reavers, was he on with Mike and Mike when Harrigan and I were doing yes. updates? Yes. I hate Gruden. He drove me crazy. Seriously. You know who does a great group? I was just going to go there. Yeah. Is uh, our buddy. uh, Frank Caliendo. Yeah, Frank. You got it? Well, I'm wondering if he even put anything out there. Well, Uh, and I thought that was Gruden that, uh, man, I could not stand him. (laughs) Oh, Caliendo does a. I didn't like most of their guests, though. (laughs) Or the little Mike. I only like the big dumb Mike from uh, Notre Dame. Little Mike. Uh, here we go. Here's Caliendo doing John Gruden. Good to see you, man. See you, Coach. I'll tell you what. This is Caliendo interviewing Gruden as Gruden. Where is it? You look pretty good over there, man. It's a little intimidating being over there, isn't it? It's about to get a little intimidating over there, isn't it? I'll tell you what. I'm going to need a clean up on aisle five after that look, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you might. Never mind. That's not coming across well enough. I don't hear the difference. That's not coming across well enough. It's a little visual. Right. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Doesn't work really well on a podcast. It doesn't work. What's the big dumb Mike? What's his last name? Uh, Golick. Yeah. I I like Golick. Yeah. We did a fantasy football event with him and Mike Jr. out at. uh, His kid. Yeah. Yeah. And they're both great guys. They're both great guys. It seems like they'd be fun to hang with. So there was, I don't know, there was a bunch of us from the station and then a bunch of ESPN people. And they were sponsored by, it's okay, it was sponsored by Bud Light. We were out at, I think it was Mystic Lake. Yes. uh, And uh, And it was in the winter. Right. uh, Super Bowl, right? We were giving Mm -hmm. away Super Bowl tickets. And so it was a packed packed house. It was a lot of fun. And he said, hey, do you want to pretend to chug a beer with me? And I said, pretend? (laughs) <laughs> and so we, we they announced the Bud Light sponsor and Big Mike and I downed the Bud Light and away we went. It was they were they were they could not have been he, cooler uh, guys. He went ice fishing when he got up here. I think That's he hooked right. up with the guys from Clam yes. uh, Fish Houses yes. and they went out fishing. Yeah. Say Tim Bloom uh, tells me Tim Bloom from EcoFund Motorsports in Forest Lake they are breaking ground on their new building. Guess what? You can make a double run now. It's off Highway 97 next to 35. What is going on? You can stop there and Grunhoffers. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, it's going to be right there. <laughs> he, he, took in, he took in 200 extra Bentelli e-bikes in a reverse supply chain problem. There's 100 left, and they will extend the 10% off sale on Bentelli electric bikes for GLers until the end of October. And he does have spots for winter heated storage of scooters and electric bikes starting at 240 bucks. That includes a full spring tune-up and winterization. Pickup, drop-off at your home in the Twin City area is available for a small fee, except as we learned yesterday, uh, Tim might not be uh, doing a lot of work after dark in certain areas because he found himself last week in a harrowing situation. Uh, he might have witnessed the pregame festivities of a rolling gun battle. In any event, GLers, that uh, those Bentelli e-bikes are awaiting you until the end of October with the 10% off sale. Also, full line of Yamaha equipment, the gas scooters that turn urban errands into adventures, uh, helmets, apparel, great youth recreational equipment, and a great big new store, Breaking Ground. Uh, in fact, it breaks ground tomorrow, wow. Wednesday. It'll be on Highway 97 
right off 35. That's right now, though, that's EcoFun Motorsports on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. And as you've been hearing over the course of the last couple of months, Josh asks you one simple question, and that's always, do you know what you own? You see, Josh's clients, they always know what they own. And Josh has found that most people that he meets with every single day, well, they don't. They absolutely have no idea. Josh has also seen retirement portfolios that have a big percentage in bonds. And there are real instances of people paying more in commissions and fees than they can possibly make on the rate of return that those bonds currently yield. So Josh begs of you, know what you own. And you'll hear from Mr. Money Talk later today here in Garage Logic to give you a specialized report on the goings-on in the market today. Trust is often overused, and it's even harder to find. Please, you can take it from me that you can trust Josh. So give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation, and you do so by calling 952-925-5608. Once again, that's 952-925-5608 for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. This guy wears many hats. Jesus. Just <laughs> I jumped the gun there. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't deleting it this time. Go ahead. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. Before I get to John, I have to ask you all a rhetorical question. Yeah, about Brian Bellows? I've noticed this for a week. Is it just me, or are more and more people decorating almost lavishly for Halloween? My neighbor put his stuff up at least two weeks ago. I I don't recall... These kinds of decorations so early in October. I'm not bothered by it, by the no, way. Me I'm just pointing it out. Yeah. Huh. I got one on my block that's gorgeous. Ghouls and goblins and lights and oh, it's just. I've yeah. seen them everywhere. Festive. Festive. On yeah. your walks when you walk every day? Yeah, it's just amazing. I uh, I threw a corn cob out. Squirrel carried it off. Yeah, so that ended that. Here's John Height. <laughs> wow. Uh, thank you, Joe. I, I did look up, by the way, just uh, to clarify, John Gruden uh, will not get paid any more money. Mm-hmm. So he made about 43 mil, maybe, mm-hmm. counting the four seasons and then the... Uh, whatever first third of this season in that general area so uh, about of, 60 mil he wasted i mean in 40 mils nothing to sneeze at do you think he just went to hell with it i'm i'm out well out of the 40 you get 20 especially when mo- some of that was when he was residing in california mm-hmm. that's right yeah <laughs> well uh two suspects now have been charged with a dozen felonies each in connection with that shootout that killed 27 year old marquisha wiley and injured 14 others early sunday morning in saint paul's entertainment district 33 year old terry brown of saint paul charged with one count of second degree murder 11 counts of attempted second degree murder devondre phillips of las vegas charged with 12 counts of attempted second degree murder uh saint paul uh police chief todd axtell said what i can tell you this was a conflict between multiple people who normally in the past through my experience would have solved it through a physical confrontation pushing shoving and punching i know there have been people who have been arrested in this case who aren't legally allowed to carry a gun at some point we need to draw that line to ensure accountability so that future victims don't have to go through the same thing the chief added According to the complaint, police responded to that report of a shooting at 7th Street Truck Park at 214 West 7th Street about 12.15 in the morning Sunday. When officers got there, they encountered a chaotic scene with multiple 
people who had been shot. Wiley was being carried with a gunshot wound to her back. The complaint says she was not moving. Officers briefly found a pulse, but it disappeared after a few seconds. Ramsey County Medical Examiner determined Wiley died of a gunshot wound that punctured her left lung and heart. Both of the suspects taken to hospitals treated for gunshot wounds. Uh, Brown told police Phillips was a relative of the woman he is dating and that he and Phillips are, in his words, in a beef. Over alleged domestic abuse between Brown and the girlfriend, Brown said Phillips shot at him first. He admitted he carried a firearm illegally. Uh, Brown has five prior felony convictions for for robbery and drug-related offenses that make him ineligible to carry a gun. Phillips has a previous aggravated robbery conviction that excludes him from carrying a gun. Why was he on the street? Mm-hmm. A man is in custody after a standoff near a high school in Oakdale Monday night. According to Oakdale, police officers responded to reports of shots fired at about 2.40 in the afternoon in the 900 block of Greenway Avenue North, just across the street from Tartan High School. Police said officers at the scene found a 32-year-old man, in their words, in crisis, screaming from a third-floor window of that apartment complex. After officers talked with the man, negotiators were called in to help. uh, Oakdale police said the man then pointed a gun at officers and fired. Officers from Oakdale, Woodbury, and Washington County Sheriff's Office returned fire. Fortunately, nobody hit by any gunfire. Eventually, the negotiators got the man to surrender. He was taken into custody. He was taken to a hospital for treatment of minor injuries from broken glass. Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension will investigate. How many stories uh, of this nature were so prevalent pre-George Floyd and pre-pandemic. If we went back and listened to shows from 2017, would there be the preponderance of this kind of violence and behavior problems? No, not no. constant. No, and I can't do any now. linking. I, I, I know a great deal why the George Floyd situation has exacerbated problems, but I uh, has the pandemic uh, caused people to go nuts? Oh, heavens yes. It's amplified the problem significantly. Jeez. Absolutely yes. Monday, St. Paul school board members heard recommendations to change up to 10 school programs, relocate others, and close up to five schools. Those schools would be Highwood Hills, Johnny Johnson, Jackson, Wellstone, and Leap High School. Then why pay them more money? Why do we need to contribute to increase the amount of money spent on education? They're running out of kids. District does say declining enrollment, as you said, Joe, is the problem. The decline coming from a decrease in birth rates, something that's happening across the nation. The 10 school programs that will have expanded or changed include Bruce Vento, Cherokee Heights, Gaultier, Hamlin, J.J. Hill, LNFI, uh, LNFI Upper and Lower, Parkway, Phelan, and Riverview, and Obama Elementary would temporarily close for remodeling. From the Star Tribune, the coach of the Proctor football team resigned Monday from his coaching and teaching roles at the high school amid a police investigation into alleged student misconduct on the football team. Derek Perendo, been employed by the district for 21 years, will be on paid leave of absence through the end of the school year, will not return next year, according to Superintendent John Engelking. The Proctor School Board approved a separation agreement with Perendo on Monday night. The measure appeared on a consent agenda, was not discussed by members. Engel King told board members extra counseling service were being offered at the high school and that character building programs are being brought in for the teams. The superintendent said that he's never taken anything more seriously in all of his years of education. He described the attention to the investigation as all 
consuming. Proctor police continue to investigate the allegations. Will we ever hear what the allegations are? I was just going to ask the same thing, because when I read the Star, uh, the Strib story a couple of weeks ago, nobody was talking about it. I know anything. what the allegation is. And they still yeah. aren't. You do? Are, are you at liberty to say it publicly? I can't remember. What it, John, John, did you read it? I read it also somewhere, but I, you're, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say either. Because I can't because remember it why I saw it. Yeah, I won't it say it if released. I saw it on social media. I would not then. Yeah, yeah, it I hasn't been released think. officially, I don't believe. but It involves anyway. an act. I think uh-huh. we should stop. All right. right. I, I really yeah. think you should stop. All right. Uh, it was yep. uh, very crude, let's put it that way. I yes, yeah, yeah. The undercover officers who fatally shot Winston Boogie Smith Jr. in a vehicle atop an uptown Minneapolis parking ramp last summer won't face criminal charges because Smith drew a handgun on them and fired. That, according to the Crow Wing County attorney, he announced that on Monday. Smith was shot June 3rd by two members of the U.S. Marshals Service North Star Violent Offender Task Force. They were trying to arrest him on a warrant for failing to show up for his sentencing on a felony gun charge. Uh, Their actions in firing at Smith, according to Ryan, were reasonable and justified. Their conduct was clearly in response to an apparent threat of death or great bodily harm. There was no body camera or squad car dash cam footage of the incident, none in use. Lack of transparency in the case prompted multiple Twin Cities Metro Sheriff's Departments to pause their participation with the task force. John, can I ask a question? Were you going to bring up yes. uh, Texas Governor Abbott in your newscast? I do have that, yes. Okay, then I'll just wait. That. Then I'll just wait. It's coming up. Okay. Yep. The Navy nuclear engineer and his wife accused of selling U.S. Navy sub-secrets to a foreign power could face a potential maximum penalty of life in prison. Good. Jonathan and Diana Toby of Annapolis were arrested Saturday in Jefferson County, West Virginia, on espionage-related charges. Federal prosecutors say they should remain in custody pending their trials as they face a potential maximum penalty of life and are a serious risk of fleeing. They've been charged with violating the Atomic Energy Act, which restricts the disclosure of info related to atomic weapons or nuclear materials. An unsealed criminal complaint alleges Toby contacted, that's Jonathan, an unidentified foreign nation in April 2020 to sell U.S. Navy submarine secrets. However, the FBI obtained Toby's documents and began communicating with him undercover, acting as agents of another country. The Tobys hid data cards in items like a peanut butter sandwich, a Band-Aid wrapper, and a chewing gum package so the information could be picked up by who they thought was a foreign spy. Diana Toby accused of acting as a lookout as her husband dropped off the material. Dead drops, John. Dead drops. Dead drops. Yeah, we read about them in spy novels all the time. John Le Carré. Le Carre, Repub- as we whatever. say. Whatever. Le Carre. Close enough. Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott responded to what he called bullying by the Biden administration on Monday, barring all COVID-19 vaccine mandates in the state by any entity, including private employers. Abbott's move sets him up for a clash with President Biden, who last month called on businesses nationwide to order their workers to be vaccinated or lose their jobs. At least several thousand people have since been fired for refusing to comply. The White House had no immediate comment. Abbott's order states that no entity in Texas could compel proof of vaccination by any individual, including employees or customers. He called on state lawmakers to take up the issue in an upcoming special session. I guess here was my question. There's the reading the reaction of a lot of people who they don't I, I guess they don't understand. He didn't ban the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that some of no. a lot of these people are responding to this. Oh really? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, he did not do that. 
Okay. With so many in Americans, Texas, you can still get a vaccine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's just saying that Such, businesses uh, can't require it, which I think that that's fair. Don't you guys? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just don't. I do. Okay. Uh, Such, did you see uh, your guy Fauci says it's okay for your grandkids to go trick or treating? I you want to throw some coins it. in there? I got it. Coin, throw some coins in there. Yeah. We did that, that was, yesterday. That was the tail end of the show yesterday. Uh, I was watching TV. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good episode of Days of Our Lives. Yeah. I have to give him, cut him some slack. <laughs> With many Americans who got Pfizer vaccinations already rolling up sleeves for a booster shot, millions of others who got the Moderna or Johnson & Johnson vaccine are waiting to learn when it's their turn. Federal regulators begin tackling that question this week. On Thursday and Friday, the Food and Drug Administration convenes its independent advisors for the first stage in the process of deciding whether extra doses of the two vaccines should be dispensed, and if so, who should get them and when. The final go-ahead is not expected for at least another week. Uh, meanwhile, a report this morning shows the latest COVID outbreak is causing problems on the job market with people quitting jobs again. Labor Department said that quits jumped to 4.3 million in August, the highest on record dating back to December 2000 and up from 4 million in July. Hiring also slowed in August, the report showed. Economic experts say the jump in quits strongly suggests that fear of the Delta variant is partly responsible for the shortfall in workers. As COVID-19 cases surged in August, quits soared in restaurants and hotels from the previous month and rose in other public-facing jobs like retail and education. Compared with a year ago, the number of people quitting their restaurant and hotel jobs has almost doubled. Quits also rose the most in the South and Midwest, the government said, the two regions with the worst COVID outbreaks in August. Do we know why? Why what? Why are people deciding not to work? Well, as they said there, part of it they think is COVID-related okay. because with the outbreak, people don't want to have jobs would it be like fair to say? Jobs. Would it be also be fair to say that people might be quitting if their employer were forcing them to get a vaccine and they didn't want to? Is that part of it, too? Probably. The numbers, though, on that, if you've seen, are minuscule. Yeah. I mean, they, they headline, you know, they make it sound like a lot, and then it ends up being less than 1% of employees okay. of companies that are doing that. Okay. Uh, not going to lie. Uh, now, Joe, I know you have some irrational fears. <laughs> so do, so, so wow. do I. That's putting some. it nicely. <laughs> and, and I one don't of think my... I have an undue number of them. Okay, oh. well, you, have a, you have a few then. I you do. You have a few. I do. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, whenever I hear a small plane, I look up in the sky yeah. because I'm afraid part of it's falling on me. Yeah, I don't have or, that or one. The, or the plane's coming down on me. Yeah, so I don't I have that, do that I have well, a fear a, of a tanker truck at a gas station. Yes, you will not feel I keep going. Up. If I need gas, I'm going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. you'd, yeah. you'd had a rough time doing the part-time job I did for a while there. I uh, would have, yeah. Standing beside the truck while it's loading gas, right. gabbing with the driver. Right. I'm going to have a quick yeah. smoke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A small, uh, here's why I brought this up. A small plane crashed in a densely populated San Diego suburb Monday, killing two people, including a UPS driver mm -hmm. and an Arizona doctor, leaving a trail of destruction that sent neighbors scrambling to save neighbors. At least two other people were injured. Neighbors described the dramatic rescue of a retired couple from one of two burning homes that were destroyed in Santee, a suburb of about 50,000 people. Ten other homes were damaged. Several vehicles, including the UPS delivery truck, were also torched. 
The United Parcel Service of America confirmed one of its workers did die, and the crash also killed Dr. Sugata Daz. He worked at Yuma Regional Medical Center in Arizona. He was director of the Power of Love Foundation, a nonprofit organization that's involved in helping women and kids overseas that are infected or affected by AIDS and HIV. The website said Daz, the father of two boys, lived in San Diego. He was the owner of a twin-engine Cessna 340 and an instrument-rated pilot who flew between his home and Yuma. Hmm. This thing did not go in gently either. No, she it did was not. Uh, no. nose down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The latest artist to sell his music, uh, well, he's dead. Bing Crosby's family has sold an equal stake in the rights to Bing's estate to primary wave music. Another example of how the sale of catalog rights has become a booming business. Most of the deals have involved rock artists like Bob Dylan, Paul Simon, Neil Young, and Stevie Nicks, folks that write their own music. The Crosby deal is the most prominent involving a pre-rock artist who primarily interpreted songs written by others. The deal is estimated in excess of $50 million. Hmm. The younger generation knows Crosby best, of course, through White Christmas and the duet with David Bowie on the Little Drummer Boy made for a television special shortly before he died. Fewer people remember Crosby's days as the major recording artist and one of the major movie stars in Hollywood. His son, Harry Crosby, said there were things that became absolutely top hits in the 30s and 40s, and they just went away. We want to bring them back. They associated Dad with tons of things. We want to bring it all back. Uh, Crosby won an Academy Award in 1945 for playing a priest in Going My Way. Of course, he made seven road movies with Bob Hope. Crosby's family, which includes his widow and two of Harry's siblings, have been interested in documentary series to tell Bing's story. Primary Wave's first priority is to increase Crosby's digital footprint to boost his profile on Spotify and get his music added to playlists for a generation unfamiar with that music. Didn't he kind of batter around one of the wives? Yeah, he wasn't a good one. I'm reading about that now. His son Gary accused... Here, listen to this quote. Bing Crosby was an abusive father who beat his sons until he drew blood Mm. and whose progeny endured the pain by dreaming up ways of murdering him, Mm. his children recalled on Sunday. Am I supposed to act like I loved him my whole life? Asked the oldest son Gary in People Magazine. Mm -hmm. So then I clicked on a headline, Bing Crosby's daughter reveals the truth behind her brother's statements and uh it sounds like gary had some issues himself but uh, this was an allegation made by all of his kids Mm -hmm. wasn't it for the longest time he hosted the pebble beach golf tournament what was it called for 10 points for 10 points the bing crosby open the clam bake (laughs) Hmm. really Mm -hmm. huh i did not know that Mm -hmm. uh gary the son uh, was a regular on Adam 12. I'll be he was, he was one of the buddies of the two main cops yeah. on Adam 12. You'd know him right away if you saw him. An influential U.S. panel of experts changing its recommendations for people who take low dosages of aspirin in order to prevent first heart attacks or strokes. The U.S. Preventive Services Task Force in a draft proposal released Tuesday recommended that adults aged 40 to 59 should only be taking low dosages of the blood thinner if their doctor determines they're at high risk for cardiovascular disease. Aspirin acts as an anticoagulant, which means it aids in preventing blood clots from forming, which is how heart attacks and strokes develop. Taking daily doses of aspirin was thought to lower the risk of the clots, therefore lower the risk of heart disease and strokes. In addition... This report brought to you by Tylenol. 
Well, this is amazing because, you know, you convince 100 million people to take a daily aspirin. If you wait long enough, every study changes. That's right. <laughs> now, I think you're still okay, though, because uh, this story says the new guidance detailed in the draft recommends people over the age of... Oh, no, I'm sorry, Joe, it doesn't, because you've never had a heart attack or a stroke. No. So if you're over the age of 60, it recommends you do... leap in wood. <laughs> If you're over the age of 60, you have not had a first heart attack or stroke, it recommends that you do not take aspirin. I haven't been. Oh, you, you don't take okay. anything, though, do you? Not really. Yeah. Well, John, do you take baby aspirin? I do, yes. I yeah. take an adult aspirin because I'm an adult with adult problems. My, uh, <laughs> I was taking an adult, and uh, this is uh, I love my cardiologist, so I'm not making fun of him. The last time he saw in my thing, I was taking an adult one. He said, why are you taking an adult aspirin every day. I said, you told me to? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, well, make it a kid's one instead. So he changed uh, it to the uh, the, the only problem is when uh, 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 when you just barely brush your skin, you bleed. Oh, And you horrible. bleed yeah. a lot. And yeah. you don't notice it because you didn't feel yourself. Try taking blood thinners and see what happens. Well, I did, Oof. Such. And, uh, I'm glad I no longer take them. you got to carry a tourniquet with you at all times. I'd come I... home sometimes wearing shorts and didn't even notice it. My legs were entirely red. From, yeah. from blood, blood? Dried blood Ooh. on them. You have to send me to Leper Island. <laughs> I had something on my arm. Oh, you should have heard these two yesterday. <laughs> Leper Island. Uh, according to recent data. New, I'm sorry, John. I got a yeah, new, that's right. I, got a, I thought of a new bit for Rookie. Okay. Telling a joke as Roycey. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that'd Every be week, fun. come up with a different joke and tell it as Roycey would. Because Roycey cannot tell jokes. We'll tell it the way it is, straight, and then Rook, as well, Patrick, will tell the already, same joke. Did he do that yesterday or no, Friday? No, we played a highlight a couple of days ago. Uh, but I, I think that would be a funny, funny bit of Rook telling a joke as Roycey. Because when Roycey hears a joke he wants to repeat, he has to write a portion <laughs> of it down on a right. piece of scratch paper. What's really <laughs> funny is uh, Rookie... Uh, playing the X-rated Patrick. Yes, uh, that's that my can't do that. Yeah. That yeah. is uh, heart attack inducing and tears and uh, yeah, it's funny. The Lincoln, Nebraska Police Department arrested a man. Uh, they say had a not very good idea. The man was hiding a homemade explosive device in his pants pocket. Mm. On Friday, around 8:30 in the Who evening, does? police <laughs> police stopped a white 1999 Ford F-150. The uh, Lincoln Police Department said homeowners in the area had called to report the vehicle had been seen driving erratically through the neighborhood. Police uh, stopped the car, arrested 30-year-old Cody Ryan. He was wanted for an outstanding felony warrant taken into custody. According to police, officers found an item in his pocket that was identified by the fire inspector as an illegal explosive device. Police said the device was homemade, intended to explode upon impact with a hard surface. Uh, police pointed out Ryan's very lucky. Nothing happened while it was in his pocket. He was arrested for his outstanding warrant. Johnny, that's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> you're still wondering if you're going back to work and where? Why don't you work where uh, it's easier to work? Center point of Mendota Heights Commercial Office Park, locally owned and operated. It's on an eight-building campus in rolling park line land in Mendota Heights. Shade trees, walking trails, bicycle paths. Easy access to the airport and highways 55, 62, 494, 694, 35. It really is a park-like setting. Great lunch spots outside. Free parking right in front of your, right in front of your dwelling because they're all single-story. There's no 
elevator weights, your own restrooms, of course, iWave air purification system in the buildings. Every office space is customizable so you can get exactly what you want and it's just hassle-free. There's no downtown traffic jams, there's no uh, street construction, there's no elevator weights, uh, there's no parking hassles. It's uh, really a new way to work so you and your employees can work where it's easier to work. You can find out a lot more at Escape to Mendota, one word, escapetomendota.com. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here with a couple of questions for you. Are you noticing a decrease in the following, maybe strength, endurance, enjoyment of life, libido, or maybe it's just a lack of energy? Are you tired of feeling exhausted even after you eat dinner? I've got an answer for you. You need to call my friends at Everest Men's Health. From signs of low testosterone to other deficiencies, they examine every single area important to a man's overall health, and that allows them to develop an easy-to-follow plan that will ensure your success. It does not matter where you fall on the spectrum of men's health. The time is right now to come into Everest Men's Health and take the first steps toward realizing your best health possible. The great thing about Everest is their medical specialists look at the entire picture and they figure out what is causing these changes to you. They start with a full medical evaluation to check testosterone levels, important vitamin levels, blood levels, and overall body composition. And once they identify the deficiencies, such as low T or vitamin deficiencies, they create a personalized lifestyle program that can include testosterone testosterone replacement, medication management, vitamin and natural supplementation, and exercise prescription and nutritional guidance. Trust me, Everest is fantastic, and they provide a comfortable environment that is not intimidating like other medical clinics. They specialize in men's health, and they can be your doctor for all your health needs, and they will refer you to a specialist if needed. It's a wonderful environment and fantastic people. Go online right now to EverestMensHealth.com, and you can call today to schedule your $50 testosterone test at any one of their three locations in Woodbury, Plymouth, and now in Egan, and please let them know that you heard about him on the Garage Logic podcast. Truth, justice, and the suture. Howard has a great idea. He says, I have taken it upon myself to thank people for working hairstylists, cashiers, clerks, receptionists, mechanics, waitstaff, everybody. They all get a thank you for working from me. They need to know they are not suckers for showing up to work when they could be sitting at home collecting COVID pay. I can't personally track down every freeloader and help them realign their work ethic, but I can be appreciative of those who are still interested and integral in making sure the economic wheel turns. To all of those, to all of you who show up for work every day and euphemistically deliver the goods, thank you. Howard Clarence. All right. That's a good idea, huh? Uh, Joe, at the end of yesterday's podcast, uh, actually it was a few podcasts ago, you made mention of no more Amelia Earhart's. I think that was in reference to on this day in Minnesota history, there was a, uh, a date back in the 30s when Amelia Earhart appeared at the uh, yes. St. Paul Women's Club, and I said there are no more e- Amelia Earhart's. And this fellow, uh, Derek, writes, I couldn't help but think of a former student of mine from Mora, Minnesota, Caitlin Hawkinson. 
that was recently written about in our hometown newspaper. She was one of three members of an all-female pilot crew on a C-17 that evacuated people out of Kabul back in August. She's an honest, honorable woman, and her stories paint quite the picture of what the situation was like. Our military is full of honorable men and women who risk their lives to help others and have stories of their own. Thanks for sharing this one. Well, he's absolutely correct. There are some Amelia Earhart. Give me the name of her again. I want to look up the story. Caitlin spelled... C K A I Yep T Yep L Y N Yep W W W Hawkinson just the way it sounds Hawkinson Joe there's a ton of female fighter pilots That's right that's right yeah, yeah. yeah. the mayor aired uh Hillavy writes from uh, the mountains of Colorado, It's true that journalism isn't what it was. We live in a small Colorado mountain town with a newspaper that loves to make articles more exciting. Most of us who send in announcements pertaining to our school and community just write the stories ourselves and place bets on how it will be elaborated. I was once described as being a champion competitive horse rider. That's amazing since I don't ride horses. In Uh fact, every experience I've had on horseback has been traumatizing. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time, local journalists' penchant for embellishment is harmless. Everyone Everyone in the county knows they do it. However, in a major town like Boulder, Colorado, one would hope they would take their journalistic role a bit more seriously. The memorial article on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 may have had a few errors. Every interview written in the article was made up. Uh, and she sent me the, she sent wow. me the story. <laughs> wow. Pushing back from 9,400 feet in the mountains, Hillary. And only. Hold on one second. Only. I, I just found this story. It's in the Cannabic County Times. Is, did I pronounce that right? Cannabic. Cannabic. Cannabic County Times. C- it's Canabic, the more it's the more Minnesota newspaper. Yeah. Cannabic. Joe. Hey Joe. The uh, the story is really cool. I will post this because I think GLers might find it's, this story yeah. interesting. This I'm is, reading it too, Chris. You're right. It's it's very. Really cool. I think it's Canabic. No, it's Canabic County. Cannabic Isn't it Canabic? We are going to get seven thousand emails about how County. to pronounce the. Sounds County. like cannabis. Cannabic County. Cannabic County. Hey. I always say Canabic on the news. Why don't you and correct if, me? Because uh, I like when you're wrong. I'm having a mind freeze <laughs> on the K County. Uh oh. Nice. This is how it, nah. is how it all starts, Ohio. Joe. Candy Ohio. Kitson. Candy Kitson. Kennebec. Kenny. Kennebec, Kitson, Candy Ohio. Killebrew. Killebrew. This kind of reminds me about two weeks ago in 60 Minutes when they interviewed Tony Bennett, who's, you know, sliding fast. And yeah, he is. Only because bad. they come to us all the way. <laughs> From Marleth Park. Sorry, sorry, Joe. In Mumbalanga, <laughs> South Africa. Thing you've ever said. <laughs> it really is. I feel really bad now. I'm okay. sorry. Just a minute. Gosh. Just a minute. Here that was awful. This is really, awful. really bothering me. Just a Canabec minute. You have nowhere to go. Here, here, wait, 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 wait. I've got it. Canabec County. I was right. Canabec. You're right. Canabec County. Kennebec County. Kennebec <laughs> County. Such, what are you doing? Kennebec uh, County. Do you not hear that? Yeah, I do. Kennebec County. And you yeah. doubt it? Kennebec yeah. County. No, I don't doubt it. I'm looking Canabec up the K County. counties because it's driving me nuts that I uh, 
forgot them. Oh, my County. God. What, what, happened, what, what, what but, happened in this day in history? By there, the way, uh, the, uh, the, the story I was referring to that led us down this rabbit yes, hole is yeah, available on yeah. the Twitter account and the Garage yeah. Logic Facebook page. It's a very interesting story. I I would uh, highly recommend it. And Joe, while you take this little break, I'd like to apologize. (laughs) Canterback, Kitson, Kuchiching. Okay. Only. Only. Because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa. From the traveling Lymans. Would you stop? Shut up, Kenny. (laughs) On this day... Mute his mic. On this day, in 1892, on this day, October 12, the first car of iron ore traveled from Mountain Iron to Duluth and assays at 65% iron. Minnesota would lead the country in iron ore production for many years, and iron in the form of taconite is still a major export. What county was that? Hennepin County. Hennepin. Hennepin County. Hennepin County. Hennepin County. On this day. Hennepin County. On this day. In 1931. (laughs) October 12, 1931, on this day. Yeah. With a parade and elaborate ceremonies, a bronze Christopher Columbus Columbus statue was dedicated on the state capitol grounds, sculpted by St. Paul native Carlo Brioche. The statue was sponsored by the Minnesota State Federation of Italian American Clubs. It has now been uh, lassoed uh, in the last year and torn down to the ground and put away in a storage shed. I, yeah, that last part was all me. That's the same one, right? They got yep. uh, mm-hmm. taken down. Yeah, and the Italians were very proud of Christopher Columbus and probably weren't taking into account the reports of his behavior when he when he first arrived. So. Sibley. <laughs> Thank Sibley. you, G. Ellers. We're, we're sorry, Kanebeck, Kitson, and Kuchiching. Yeah. Hey, no matter what county you're in, why don't Douglas, you yes. head on over sorry. to the Garage Logic YouTube page and hit that subscribe button for us, and you can join the thousands of GLs that have made the switch. And by the way, today's video will include a portion of the show that was not recorded in the podcast before we began today. Yes, John. John is the county me, seat of Kanebeck. John, let me, let me just say sorry about that. Tony Bennett remark, John. That's I all right, John. I'm not bothered. D counties, Joe. D counties, quickly. <laughs> Dakota, Dodge, and Douglas. There we go. Wow. Pot I'm in, Joe. Where county's that in? Uh, Ramsey. Okay, there we go. Hennepin. Download it today for your smart device where you have the chance to win fantastic prizes just by listening to Garage Logic. We'll try this again tomorrow. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Maybe not. It is that time once again here in Garage Logic where we pick up that phone and we make that call to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold Gellers. That's exactly what you should do today in these volatile times for that free, yes, I said free, 48-minute financial consultation. And you do that by calling 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. You get straight talk. You never get sugar-coated advice. And Mr. Money Talk is with us right now. And Josh, what are the market concerns right now? Chris, 
the market is still concerned with COVID, still concerned with inflation, still concerned with the Fed and what the Fed's going to do with interest rates. And now the concern is going to be with earnings as earnings start in earnest with the big banks reporting this week, whether it's J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Citibank, and Bank of America all reporting. And there'll be some concerns about the direction the banks are taking and whether or not they're able to make money in a rising interest rate environment. Well, I'm not a bank investor. I have avoided banks. Banks have not been able to make money, whether it's a high interest rate or low interest rate environments for a while. Banks still are under a little bit of a cloud from the government. The spikes head saying that the banks have more than enough money to cover their loan loss reserve. That said, another concern of the market really is stagflation, i.e. something that happened during the President Jimmy Carter years where we had rising very fast, rising inflation caused by the price of oil spiking up, among other things. We have oil spiking currently the election as the president and his administration wants to limit the use of fossil fuels and move to alternative sources of energy. There's still tremendous need for fossil fuels. Smaller supply, big demand, price rises. You still need oil and gas. We have rising inflation and the stag part is the government wants to spend a lot of money, same time raise taxes. Anytime you raise taxes or raise costs, whether it's on corporations or individuals, they do what? They spend less money. Additionally, the government is looking at corporate buybacks and trying to change corporate behavior and rather than buyback shares, which is a strategy that numerous companies use, including one of the richest investors and best investors long time, Warren Buffett, said if you can't find anything better to buy or a better use of your cash, buy your own shares back. That makes some sense, but that's another way to raise taxes, put a surtax on corporate buyback. But this combination, and particularly with a lot of different types of information related to COVID, whether you should have a booster shot, whether you shouldn't have a booster shot. Some information came from the FDA today saying if you had the Moderna vaccine, you may not need a booster shot. That presents a lot of conflicting information relating to COVID, and COVID is still a concern of the market. That has made it more difficult for companies to hire and bring back work. Those are some concerns. And we also have an issue with supply chain, which we've discussed before. When earnings come, particularly from industrial companies, do pay attention to what they're saying about the supply chain and what the impact is going to be. I am of the belief that many analysts will give companies a little bit of a pass on the supply chain issue with earnings and look beyond that to things resolving themselves. Meantime, I'm still a big buyer of internet-related companies, leisure-related companies, and I still like, I'll say, real assets such as real estate. Do keep some cash available as the market will continue to fluctuate. Excellent report. As always, Mr. Money Talk, GLers, you heard him. Pick up that phone and make that call today in these volatile times for that free 48-minute financial consultation. And you do that just like I did by calling 952-925-5608. Josh, as always, thank you so much for the time in the chat. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. You got it, Chris. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.